We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Uh, TJ Inman, our co-host, will be along here shortly. We'll also have guests uh, from HoosierHuddle.com, David Sugarman and Alex Compton on. Uh, today we are previewing spring practice. Uh, we're going to go position by position uh, to go through, uh, you know, what we expect, position battles we're watching, uh, things that fans need to or should look out for, um, and questions that they may have on uh, Indiana heading into spring practice. I do want to uh, thank everybody who has donated so far to our GoFundMe uh, campaign. Uh, we have had over $440 worth of new, do- new donations uh, since we started that campaign. Uh, so thank you. Our Amazon ad is doing well uh, as well. So if you don't have the extra money to donate to GoFundMe, uh, but do purchase, you know, your household needs or, or things that you need off of Amazon, uh, please buy it through our Amazon ad. It's free to the buyer, uh, and we get a referral bonus from Amazon uh, on your purchases. So I, I just want to thank Hoosier Nation has been very generous uh, with that. Uh, but without further ado, we'll start talking about Indiana football. TJ, uh, how are you? I'm doing very well, Sammy. Excited to excited to talk about the uh, the spring. I know we have a uh, packed podcast, and I'm uh, very pleased to have Alex and David on. They've both been doing a great job for us, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to talk about each position group, uh, kind of dive down in general, just so that we can give fans kind of an idea of things to. Uh, just as they're reading practice reports or reading comments from coaches, um, you know, hopefully the information that we're giving today will kind of give people a a little bit of a guideline for each position for things they can sort of watch for, maybe read between the lines a little bit and uh, just provide a bit more context as we hit in the spring. Definitely. And and let's start quickly. Uh, David Sugarman will be joining us in in about – uh, 10 minutes, uh, yeah. but let's start with, with the the preview you wrote uh, with the running backs. Indiana's going to have to replace another 1,000-yard rusher uh, in Divine Redding, but it seems like they have the horses to do that with, uh, you know, the legend of Camion Patrick uh, uh, penciled in to be the starter if he's healthy. I, I think this spring – Hopefully he's he's healthy to go this spring and ready to go 100%. Uh, it looks and sounds like he he will be, I think. Uh, but what are you looking for from Camion Patrick to to really help solidify both his uh, his perceived legend and then you know going forward to make up for the loss of uh, Divine Redding? Yeah, Divine Redding. Um... Just a, a word, if I were describing him in a word, I would say solid. Um, you know, a, a, a person taking a pessimistic view of what he brought uh, could make an argument and say Divine Redding was uh, replacement level uh, back. Just a, a guy, you know, just another guy um, within Indiana system that, you know, given enough carries, was was able to to reach a thousand yards. I think that'd be a bit harsh, but I do understand how someone could make that argument. So turning it forward to 2017 and looking at IU's backfield, uh, it, it really does hinge on Camion Patrick. Uh, if,
kind of you're going by replacement level, if he can be that above replacement level, uh, be that difference maker, then you're looking at an entirely different running game than what you had in 2016. Things we're looking for in the spring from him, number one, is going to be help, uh, trust with his knee, um, trust making cuts, you know, trust turning up field and, and turning the burst on, and then you know, the ability to have that next level of speed uh, and, and breakaway. I, I feel pretty good about his ability to run the ball uh, in between the tackles. I know he does not have a ton of experience as a running back, but I think you know, given uh, enough time and preparation knowing that this was going to be his role, uh, I, I do think that you'll see him adjust pretty quickly to being a running back versus a wide receiver. Um, he does have some experience carrying the ball in the past, so uh, it's. I don't think that that will be a big change for him, but you're looking for uh, his ability to turn you know, a 5- or 10-yard gain into a 50-yard gain, something that I use running game was, was sorely lacking last season with the exception of really Xander Diamond. Um, so I'm interested to see that. Um, the biggest thing for Camion is just going to be getting out there, uh, getting reps, and staying healthy, uh, looking towards fall camp. I think if he does those things, he is going to be the, the number one back. You know, behind him, uh, I think you kind of have a, a interesting battle for kind of that second back and then, you know, on down the rotation. Everything's wide open after that. Uh, Cole Guest, Mike Majette, Devontae Williams, Tyler Natee, Ricky Brookins, Alex Rodriguez, you know, a lot of names, a lot of bodies, a lot of differing skill sets that it's going to be very interesting to see, number one, how those guys are viewed by the new offensive coaching staff, and number two, what those views mean for those players in terms of how they're going to be utilized. Uh, we yeah, talked a lot this past season. We talked a lot about this season about kind of being a little bit frustrated with how particularly Mike Majette and Devontae Williams were used, uh, not getting them onto the edge enough and getting them in space and giving them the ability to kind of use their speed to IU's offensive advantage. Uh, the lack of big plays, you know, it shouldn't have been that way nearly as much as it was. It just didn't seem like they tried all that hard to get Williams or Majette the ball out in, out in space, and especially Majette, burst of it, struggled uh, again to stay healthy, so it's important for him to get healthy. And then Cole Guest, the limited sample size, but you know, we both liked what we saw from him. I think he, for me, he's the favorite to be that second back when the season does open up. Uh, I really like how Hardy hits the hole, very urgent runner. Um, could do with perhaps a little bit more patience, but you know, I'm not going to slow a guy down. Uh, the urgency that he hits the hole with, I, I felt there was a level of, a level of excitement every time he touched the ball that wasn't there with Divine Redding. Uh, and then Tyler right. Nati, a guy that uh, – is going to be very interesting, as I mentioned, see how the coaching staff use him and how they want to use him. Um, I doubt that we see very much of a, you know, uh, breaking out of the bacon and legs package. They're not going to – unveil plans for anything like that just yet, I would imagine. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, do they view him as just a traditional big back that they use in short yardage or goal line? Do they have other plans for him? Do they have uh, you know plans to make him more of an emphasis? Now, physically, where's he at? Have they you know wanted him maybe to uh, slim down a little bit? Uh, I, I, I really don't know. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the staff views him. Um, so I'd, you know, I'd ask you, of those guys, of that group of guys, and Morgan Ellison and Craig Nelson, we'll talk about them uh, in you know greater context of this running back battle. Uh, and I do think that they both might factor in, but they won't be there until the fall. So of those guys behind Camion, 
you know, which one or two are you most interested in seeing this spring, kind of how they're used or how they look or all of the above? Well, I, I think all of them bring something different to the table. I think the, the most intriguing might be Tyler and the T because you really have no idea how they're going to use them, uh, especially yeah. with, you know, the bacon and legs package not being back. Uh, is he going to be a traditional big back? Are they going to use him in a wildcat? You know, there's different ways to use him. And then, you know, just to see if, if Cole Guest shows the same um, shows the same explosiveness that he has in the past, and then just see if these other guys could stay healthy uh, with Mike Majette and Devontae Williams. It just seems like every time they start to get going and looking good, uh, they get tripped up with an ankle injury. Uh, but yeah. um, let's focus. We're going to talk about next is the offensive line. We're going to bring in David Sugarman, who writes for Hoosier Huddle, uh, to talk about the offensive line. And, and uh, you know, you can't have a running game without a, a good offensive line. So, David, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Sammy. Thanks for having me on, man. So, David, coming into spring practice, there's going to be some new faces on the defensive or on the offensive line. You know, without Dan mm-hmm. Feeney there, without Demetrius Camille, uh, Wes Rogers, Jacob Bailey have all played a lot of football for IU. So, who needs to step up uh, on this offensive line for them to be or to continue on? Uh, the, the tradition that, that Greg Fry had brought to Indiana with these guys. Yeah, you mentioned all those names, you know, leaving. And it's a really, I think, difficult might be, might be the wrong word, but interesting time of transition because uh, there's really no stability either in the offensive line or in the coaching staff with, with Coach Fry going and, um, and McCall going to USC and all these things going on. And the guys, I think, who are going to need to step up the most are the guys who have the most experience, even if that's not a lot. You look at a guy like Coy Cronk, who was a little up and down last year, but I think for a freshman, especially a guy who stepped in for a lot of injured players, played really, really well. Uh, Wes Martin, who became a regular starter last year um, and had played some in the past. So I think those are probably the most two guys, most experienced guys, along with Brandon Knight, along the offensive line. Frankly, at center, I know we have – uh, Simon Stepanak as the starter right now. I think that's going to be a competition, frankly, not because Stepanak's a bad player, but you know what? He only started uh, he's two games last year. I know he played in all 12, but uh, I think just not a lot of experience. I think that position might be up for grabs. And uh, and you're going to see your first real taste of Hunter Littlejohn as well as right guard. So there's really, I mean, like we're seeing in the entire program right now, it's a big transitional period and hopefully they can lean on a guy like Coy Cronk and Brandon Knight and these more experienced guys to show a little bit of leadership. Right, and there's so much turnover, including uh, the coaching staff bringing in Darren Hiller. Uh, they're going to have to replace running backs coach uh, Della McCullough. But, you know, have you had a chance to – look at some of the, the similarities between Hiller and Fry in terms of, of coaching philosophy on the offensive line? Or is that something that, you know, we as a group are going to look at uh, going in and coming out of spring practice? Yeah, I don't know if you could say right now we would have a gauge of, you know, how similar the scheme will be from Fry to Hiller. I think you'll get a better idea of that. Uh, going through spring practice and then, of course, as we, you know, get into summer workouts and then, you know, headed into next season. And for me, I always think really good coaches, both head and position coaches, don't say this is what I'm going to come in and this is my philosophy. They tailor it to what the skill set of the players are. And so it'll be interesting to see once these guys get more reps and get a, and Taylor gets a better feel for what these guys do well, uh, what kind of philosophy he brings to the offense. And if that's different than Fry, that's different than Fry. Adapting your system to fit the personnel. I'll be damned. How about that? Something that uh, <laughs> would be nice to, see, nice to see elsewhere within the athletic department. Anyway, uh, cheap shots from me are done. Um, of the <laughs> of the guys that, uh, that we've yet to see, um, perhaps the one that I'm most intrigued by uh, is McKenzie Nora, um, player from, from Texas that redshirted last year uh, because two things, I think. He was 
you know, relatively raw coming in as a prospect. And number two, IU, you know, didn't have a need for him to play right away, so it was good. He's able to redshirt. That's what you're looking for, especially at the offensive line. Uh, do you think that there's a possibility that McKenzie Mora battles for a starting guard position, uh, or, or do you think he's uh, going to be used as, you know, more of a, a depth piece that, that stands behind, uh, particularly Hunter Littlejohn, uh, Martin, and then I think those are probably the two you'd have Derek Guard ahead of him, or maybe mm-hmm. Brandon Knight kicks in, just a lot of options. But what do you think about uh, Mackenzie Nuara and his ability to contribute in 2017 based on what little we know about him after his redshirt year? Right. I mean, like you said, we don't know a ton about him now. He's a big guy at 6'4", 320. Uh, comes from high school, went to Kirk Martin High School, or excuse me, played for Kirk Martin at Manville High School uh, in in Texas. I guess, you know, when you look, I think there are some positions up for grabs. The only positions I think are probably set in stone are left tackle with, with Coy Cronk, right tackle and Brandon Knight, and probably left guard with Wes Martin. But I think those two yeah. positions that are up for grabs are center and right guard. Um, you know, I don't know how much experience in war. Noir has playing at the center position. So I think at right guard, uh, there's definitely a potential to have a competition there. Hunter Littlejohn, not a ton of experience. He only got in one game. It was the Rutgers game. They're pretty similar in size. Like I just said, Noir is 6'4", 320. Uh, Littlejohn is 6'3", 300. Uh, Maybe they'll both put on or take off some weight, depending on what they want to do over the summer. So I think he has a chance to make an impact or, or, or compete for a starting job. And if it's going to be, it's probably going to be at that right guard spot. Yeah. Are there right. any, players and, and that, uh, any, any players that maybe we have not mentioned yet uh, along that offensive line that, you know, are kind of flying under the radar, but you think chance to kind of stand out this spring and, and be in line for more snaps than, than, most would originally anticipate and it it's very hard to say nobody's gonna hold your feet to the mm-hmm. fire on this because one of the things that's so interesting is we have no clue how darren hiller sees these guys and he might not know yet either but if you were taking a guess on on a i guess under the radar guy that we haven't mentioned yet who would that be you know without seeing much more of him than you know than his tape online i kind of like harry crotter who's going to be uh, a true fresh, uh, a true freshman this year from Columbus, Indiana. He's a three-star recruit. Yep. I think he was, if not the first, one of the first guys to commit uh, to this class. And so, and props to him for you know sticking it out even through all this transition. And I think it's a combination of I, I like what I uh, what I saw on his tape a little bit, and I you know his high school coaches have had a lot of praise for him both in terms of his play and his character. And frankly, like I said, the center position is really up for grabs. I think, you know, in our two deep, we almost put uh, Stepaniak there. I don't want to say by default, but because we didn't really have another center that we said that, that we've even seen, at least not in significant time. So I think that position is frankly really up for grabs. I like what I saw out of him. And so I think he has a, a chance to compete and maybe even win that starting job. Right, and, and David, let's uh, move on to the other preview you wrote was wide receivers. This is going to be a strength mm-hmm. position for IU uh, going into 2017. Uh, we'll see Timmy Cobbs coming back from injury, and I, I know everybody wants to see if he could come back and, and play like he did in 2015. Uh, you, you have Nick Westbrook back as well. Uh, some questions are who's going to play in the slot. Is Jay Sean Harris going to be – you know, close to 100% back, uh, what is he going to bring you? And then just how these redshirt freshmen are going to uh, perform as well in, um, in Jonah Mars, Taysir Mack. I uh, have just Barry as well, who even as a walk-on should be highly regarded. He has made some, some big plays in practice as well. So who, um, mm. what are your uh, initial thoughts going into the wide receiver group uh, into spring practice? Well, I think at the top, and let's you know, let's cross our fingers and knock on wood and assume, you know, be safe and assume that Simi Cobbs will be a hundred percent. That those first two wide receivers, Westbrook and Cobbs, 
you probably put Cobbs at one if he's healthy. But essentially, one and one A are yeah. going to be really, really scary, and particularly with the size. I mean, Westbrook's six, uh, six three, and Cobbs is six four, and I think that's really going to help, especially if the quarterback is still Richard Lego. Not to dissect his game too much, but frankly, he's not the most accurate quarterback, and these are both guys, if you throw it in the general vicinity, they've got a chance to really just go up and snatch it out of the air. So I think that's advantageous for any quarterback, but particularly one who struggled with his accuracy a little bit this past season. I think, you know, so both their size on the outside is going to be really big. You know, Westbrook, and I touched on this in my preview, kind of came out of nowhere. Maybe he still would have had a solid season, but the chances wouldn't have been uh, as plentiful had Cobbs not gone out. So maybe a blessing in disguise. I mean, he had 995 yards this season, and that was with one really bad game against Nebraska where he didn't catch a pass. So if he has a halfway decent game there, just, you know, one less drop here or there, and he has over 1,000 yards. And then the year before, Cobbs went for over 1,000 yards, and he wasn't the most shorthanded guy. So you're looking at potentially two guys if the ball is spread around nicely, I think, you know, could both get close to, you know, or even over 1,000 yards. I think where Indiana may run into trouble, I just don't know how deep they are. I mean, you look in the slot last year, in the last couple of years, you had Mitchell Page, who was just so versatile. I mean, he was good, it seemed like, every single game for seven, eight catches, uh, you know, as well as he would throw to him on some end arounds. And we saw this year a few times they would uh, they'd let him even throw the ball. And I don't think you get that quite the same versatility in the offense. Uh, although Luke Timian had a solid year last year, had 21 catches, and I'll see the field a little bit more. And then after Timian, like I said, it's, you know, um, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. I mean, Donovan, uh, you know, not because of a lack of talent, but just a lack of, you know, a lack of playing time and experience and improving. You know, then you have Donovan Hale, who I guess would I would say is, is the leader of the reserves. And then after that, you touched on a few guys like Atasia Mack or, or Jonah Morris. And we'll see what these guys are made of. I think, you know, right now the question, I think Indiana is very top-heavy at wide receivers, and I think it's going to be a big strength for this team, uh, whether it's Lego or somebody else who's, who's tossing the ball. Obviously that's, a, you know, a, a big de- big decision to be made. Um, but, but my big question going into next season is the depth. So if there are injuries or a day where Westbrook or Cobbs is locked up, is uh, where do they go from there? I know Camion Patrick's likely going to be the number one back, but he was split out at wide receiver some last year and had some success. I wonder if they play with that uh, at all this year as well. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting, especially with the the depth they have at running back, is if you see Camion play a little bit wide receiver to take off a little bit of the pounding on that knee and put somebody else at running back. But uh, thank you, David. And uh, we look forward to um, seeing more of your coverage throughout spring practice. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Fun time, guys. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, David. Thanks. Yeah, Sammy, real All quick, right, next one of gonna... the things that I – one of the things, just real quick, one of the things that I'm, I think is uh, the biggest battle for that wide receiver group as – as David mentioned, I think it'll be something that is one of the easier positions to kind of gauge how guys look, uh, not by stats, but just kind of how they look, their explosion, their route running, uh, their hands. I, I think it'll be very interesting to watch that second group of wide receivers. Um, I do think there's four or five guys that are very capable and talented uh, and I, I think that they will really be battling Banker, Mac, Morris, Donovan Hale. Uh, I think that that, that group is going to really have a, a tough battle on their hands with each other, uh, competing for uh, snaps behind, like you said, a, a, a tremendous top duo. And then, you know, I think another thing to watch for is Jason Harris. How much is he able to do in the spring? How does he look coming back from another uh, really devastating knee injury that uh, you just hope he's able to get back and and um, be able to play football? I, not not for IU's sake, although it would be great if he did, but just for Jason Harris's sake because it sucks to have a guy have to miss two years. Yeah, and um, before we go on, you know, well, this is a big time for these 
these redshirt freshmen, and we'll talk a little bit about yeah. with our next guest, Alex Thompson. Uh, this is a big time with the receivers IU has brought in with the 2017 class. This is this is the spring practice where these redshirt freshmen have to get a leg up on those guys incoming uh, in the fall. So right now we're going to bring in Alex Compton. Uh, Alex, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you got it, guys. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, Alex, you, you wrote about the redshirt freshmen uh, coming in, guys who kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit with true freshmen who played during the season, and you really don't hear their names, but who are a couple redshirt freshmen who you're going to keep your eye on uh, this spring? Yeah, I think, um, like I touched on in my piece um, last week, this was a, a very deep class of redshirts, and I think um, one that is going to have a huge impact on the season. Two guys in my mind that stick out, the first one's Cole Guest. I think – um, he's a little different from the other red shirts in that he actually played in some of the games last season. Um, played mm-hmm. in about four, four games, I think. Um, before he, he played missed. in three. Well, he yeah, the played first three games. FIU, yeah, first three. Ball State, and got hurt about halfway through Wake Forest. Yeah, so first three games, um, I would say coming back in this, this running back group, he is the fastest of the backs. He has that kind of home run ability, that ability to to stretch the ball on the outside and, and possibly take one of the house. That was something IU was missing last season, and I think you could tell that. Um, some of the games against those um, those defenses that are, are really keen on stopping the run, you kind of need that change of pace back. IU was missing yeah. that last season. Um, I think guests could factor in as possibly even the backup running back behind Patrick. Um, and like we talked about in our special teams piece, uh, he could return kicks as well. Um, so that's that's kind of my first guy I think we can, can really keep an eye on. And then uh, flipping over to the receivers, David just talked about him a little bit. Um, but that's Jonah Morris. I think, um, like he kind of talked about, Westbrook and Cobbs, those are your known commodities. I think Timian is a, a very serviceable, a very solid slot receiver. And then I think um, and those four and possibly even five wide receivers sets, we're going to need another guy like Boyle to stretch the field. Um, he was the highest-rated prospect from last year's class, um, but due to the depth, obviously, of the, of the receiving core, um, a red shirt made sense. 6'4", 200 pounds, blazing speed, um, came in as a four-star, 18th-best athlete in the class, I mean, he's a guy that can, can make plays. Um, early in the season, if he kind of establishes himself, I think he could become kind of a known commodity. He could be kind of a, a first-team guy. And I think even with his versatility, if IU wanted to play him in the slot a little bit, um, that, that could even happen. So um, those are my two guys, both on offense. But I, both, I think they do both fill needs, and I think um, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, please your fans know them uh, for their play on the field. Awesome. And let's switch gears to defense right now. Alex, you're going to be writing about the corners uh, here this week. Um, Indiana got a big boost in getting Richard Fant back for fifth year. He was outstanding last season. Uh, you expect his growth to continue into this year and, and have him locked down one side of the field. Uh, Ashawn Riggins is back. You expect him to start as well at the other side. And then after that, things get a little hairy um, and a little foggy on, on who's going to play at corners. But what is the corner situation to you? Yeah. Um, so like you said, getting Fant back, I mean, you could argue that Oliver um, declaring early for the draft, that's going to hurt. But you could argue that um, Fant deciding to come back is more important. Um, he gives Tom Allen just the luxury of just throwing him out on the side of the field and you don't have to worry about him. He can go one-on-one with pretty much every receiver in the country. He is currently the NCAA's active leader um, with 48 pass defenses, which is huge. Um, He's led the Big Ten the last two seasons. He's IU's all-time leader in pass defenses and breakups. I mean, him coming back is huge. And like you said, Ashawn Riggins turned a lot of heads as a true freshman last year, Um, played in 12 games, made eight starts. Um, 
You'll remember his big hit on Ball State quarterback Riley Neal that forced the fumble. You'll remember his pick against Ohio State. Um, he was actually second in the team in pass breakups with nine last year. Um, 37 tackles, which is something you like. He's, a little, he's much more physical than Pat. Um, I would say he showed lots of flashes. He did make those classic true freshman mistakes. Um, but I think he showed a lot of promise, and he should have the starting spot and opposite of Sam, that will be his to lose. Um, but behind them, kind of like you said, we, we, we don't really know what we're going to get. We know we have Tyler Green. Tyler Green was a guy that came in, um, former Ohio State commit, um, came in as a four-star. He was our one of our better recruits. He played spotty as a freshman. I mean, not what you like, would like to see. Didn't live up to the hype. But last year he really showed improvement. Um, he played in 11 games, actually made a start in the Foster Farm Bowl where he had seven tackles and a forced fumble. Um, he played better as the season went on, which is what you want to see. Um, very rangy, um, 6'3", tough to throw the ball at. So him taking a step forward last year is awesome for the defense. And he's going to kind of mix in with Riggins and provide um, a really good option. Um, a couple of guys to keep an eye on. The guy I touched on in uh, the red shirt piece is Andre Brown Jr. He's a guy that played as a true freshman back in 2015, uh, started eight games and played in nine of nine games total. Um, he missed the last three games due to an injury, but in those games he had 35 tackles, uh, fumble recovery, and four breakups. He is probably the most physical corner out of the entire group. Um, he's going to end up seeing snaps if he can stay on the field. He's battled injuries since he's been at IU, so if he can stay healthy, you've got to figure there's snaps. Um, behind Brown, you got Wesley Green, who transferred from South Carolina. Um, I know a lot of fans are really excited about that. Highly rated, highly rated four-star. Um, didn't see any action at South Carolina, then decided to transfer to IU. He was rated as the number 120 overall recruit. Um, so it was surprising that he only saw action in two games last year, um, minimal snaps. But um, we've heard good things about him in practice. He was scout team player of the week in Michigan last year. He's a guy that if if he plays well, um, he could essentially push for the starting spot next to Stant as good green, the other green, Tyler Green. Um, but we just don't know much about him at this point because he's played, I mean, maybe 10 snaps total uh, in, in his career. So um, then you keep moving down. you got two freshmen coming in that are interesting. Um, we think one of them has a shot at playing. Um, which one it is yet at this point is, is to be determined. But you got Raheem Lanes. you got LaDamian Hunt, um, both, both good guys. Raheem Lane, uh, former Minnesota commit, decided to, 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 to pull that off when uh, they transitioned to P.J. Fleck. Great ball skills, um, great instincts, roaming, roaming the sideline. He's the best. He's very fast the, as well. Yeah, he's extremely fast. We think he's the best athlete out of the group. Um, he could actually see some time returning punts and kickoffs due to how athletic he is. Um, and then the other freshman was Damian Hunt. Super long, super quick as well. Um, probably the most instinctive out of the group. He's the most likely to um, take a chance on jumping around, things like that. Um, he is kind of eager and overplays the ball sometimes, but Tom Allen likes playmakers, so that's why Hunt figures to fit in. Um, they're actually rated one spot differently for the cornerback position. I think Lane will be the one avoiding the red shirt just due to his special teams ability, ability to return punts, things like that. Um, but your freshman, intriguing and has some depth as well. Right, great stuff. And Alex will get into more detail uh, with it in his corners preview. Uh, TJ, any other questions for Alex? No, I think I think that covers it uh, very well. Just you know, one more guy that uh, we'll see the field in a variety of capacities. We'll talk about him some of the safeties. I think he might play some corner, um, play on special teams. On the coverage units, Ben Bach, um, just a you know a reliable, versatile veteran that that will probably um, see the field, you know, spot duty in multiple different places. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Alex covered covered everything that uh, 
could happen. A lot of unknowns after I think those top three, uh, Tyler Green, Riggins, and Fans. You know, after those top three, it's it's going to be a real battle. All right. Thanks, Alex, for joining us, and uh, we look forward to reading the rest of your previews and uh, whatever you have to say for for spring practice. So, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Hoping uh, spring ball. All right, TJ, uh, let's uh, move back to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, We've got two positions left, tight end and quarterback. I think let's start with quarterback. It's where the biggest – the biggest question mark is, and I think, uh, you know, people, the biggest concern is, I wouldn't say it's the biggest question mark. I think it's pretty much straightforward right now. Uh, but the biggest concern is Richard Lego last year, he threw for 3,300 yards plus 19 touchdowns, but had 17 interceptions through for under uh, 60% completion percentage. Uh, and with his performance in the Foster Farms Bowl, kind of left the door open. Uh, to an open competition, and that door was busted yep. open uh, with the turnover on the offensive staff. Uh, it, it's a new system, new scheme, new coaches. Everybody's going to probably start at the same uh, level. But Lego started um, 13 games last year. He has the most experience. Other than Danny Cameron, nobody else has taken a snap at the at the collegiate level. So I think that kind of puts Lego ahead of ahead of the pack a little bit. We'll see where it goes from there. But he's got to be more consistent with completing his passes. Uh, he throws his interceptions in bunches. Um, and, you know, when he's throwing the ball under 30 times a game, he's well, he does well. And when he throws it to those underneath receivers and they set up those bigger pass plays, he, he does much better than trying to just chuck it deep and and hope for the best. He does throw a good deep ball, uh, but there are too many times where he takes uh, two high-risk chances that end up in uh, either pass deflections or interceptions. It just seems like last year every pass that got tipped uh, got picked. And I'm interested to see when Bill Connolly comes out with his turnover luck uh, margin on IU uh, where they stand on there because they had zero luck in those tip passes. I mean, against Northwestern, uh, a Northwestern safety with one hand uh, and a and a cast yeah. club on the other uh, made a ridiculous uh, leaping grab. So that's the kind of year that, that Richard Lego has, but I think he has the tools to be really good. Uh, and then the competition for number two uh, behind him is going to fall uh, to Austin King, uh, Peyton Ramsey and Danny Cameron. Uh, those three guys are the, the quarterbacks in for spring. Nick Tronti, who's there's been a buzz about him uh, since he committed, uh, won't be in until fall camp, which I think which hinders his uh, ability to jump the rest of the guys and, and make a play for that starting position. But for the guys on campus this spring, uh, let's start with. Um, if you have anything to add on Richard Legault, let's start there. If not, let's go to Austin King. No, I, I think you uh, think you nailed it on Legault. You know, we've analyzed uh, analyzed his play. Everyone knows what the issue was last year. Um, for him, it's just going to be about grasping what it is that the new offensive staff wants from him. It's going to be about limiting those turnovers and costly inconsistency mistakes. Uh, and really the spring's just going to be about showing it, you know, um, showing that you're capable of of leading this offense uh, to where it wants to go. Um, Austin King, um, I don't think that the hire of Mike DeBoard, if them, uh, that we expect him to employ, uh, if they go with that, I don't think that that hiring uh, helps Austin King very much. Um, he's a little, I mean, he's more of a runner than, or more of a mobile threat than Lego is, but uh, certainly less than Peyton Ramsey or Nick Tronti. Um, and, and, you know, Tom Allen has, has spoken about it, and Mike DeBoard's spoken about it. They want for the defense to have to account for a quarterback's playmaking ability with his legs. Uh, that doesn't mean that they want just a scrambler out there. 
but it needs to be someone that's really mobile. Uh, and Austin King doesn't figure to fit that. Uh, he does have very good arm talent, um, which is a, a weird phrase, but it you know basically just means he can make the throws. Uh, very strong arm. Um, I, I think. I believe they call it probably, the technical term. Uh, TJ is he's able to sling it around the yard. Ah uh, yes, yes he can sling it around the yard. Uh, I, I think. What's going to be important for Austin King, if he's going to challenge for the starting job, uh, he's going to have to do so with pinpoint accuracy. Um, and it's going to have to be consistent accuracy. Uh, because I, I do think he has the arm strength to challenge Lego if he can greatly exceed him in the understanding of the offense, because it is a new offense, and if he'd be more accurate than Lego is. Uh, I think that those two things are what you're looking for. The same thing with Ramsey, but we give him the nod uh, when we're projecting who's going to be that number two strictly because of his mobility uh, that, you know, he just has more of an element of that playmaking ability with the legs and and being mobile in the pocket than either Lego or Austin King have. So that's, that's kind of the thing with Ramsey. Probably less, uh, less strictly throwing talent than uh, Lego or King, but but more uh, well-rounded, if you will, uh, when you factor in the run and mobility. So uh, that's going to be interesting is how the coaches view uh, Peyton Ramsey's fit in the offense and if that deems to be enough to really challenge for that starting job or if it's enough to slot him comfortably in the number two. Yeah, and I think one of the big decision factors going into it is that IU does not, you know, they're not taking the walking entrance into the pool. They're diving off the top, you know, the 30-meter high dive into yeah. the deep end. They open yeah. up with Ohio State, then they go on the road to another Power 5 uh, game at Virginia. So, you know, I think that gives Lego the upper hand, too, and experience. You're, it's hard to believe, unless – King or, or Ramsey or Tronti lights the world on fire uh, in spring and fall camps that you, you can't throw a guy with, with zero uh, collegiate experience out there against uh, what is probably a top five team in Ohio State and then uh, on the road against an ACC team in Virginia. Uh, it it would have been nice to start if they started the season, you know, against a, a Georgia Southern or um, – against FIU or back in the day against a one double eight team where you could uh, potentially run up the score and start substituting and using your backups and getting them experience. And that's something that during the, the Kevin Wilson era never really happened is that they never got these guys experience in the backup um, backup role, whether that was because they, they just didn't blow out opponents or the staff just wasn't comfortable putting guys in in those situations, they just have no experience. So they might have depth talent-wise, but experience-wise, this team is as thin as it as thin as it gets. With Lego, with 13 games started, um, and then outside of him, just one game in, in Danny Cameron, who is probably not going to factor into the court, quarterback race uh, in terms of being a threat to take over the the starting position. So. You could call it what it is. It is going to be an open – if Lego comes out in spring practice and, and is throwing balls high and low and throwing picks, uh, IU might be in trouble. But um, it seems like as he's on social media, it's his mission to turn it around. Uh, he's he's putting in the work, and he does have the talent to do that. So that's – you know, I, he has the upper hand, and we'll, we'll see where they go. But – one weapon that, that IU uh, could start to see more use out of uh, TJ, and it could help the quarterbacks a lot, uh, is the tight end. Now, um, as I was writing the tight end preview, I, I knew we didn't use them a lot last year. They, you know, everybody was complaining about it, and, and rightfully so. But they had 10 catches all year, 10. And that was like, that's it? Yep. Is 10? I knew it was low. I didn't think it was that low. Um, but Mike DeBoer's coming in. He likes to use his tight ends. Uh, at Tennessee, their tight ends last year, I, I believe, had somewhere around 45 combined 
uh, catches, uh, and they're going to be used. I use didn't use them because of a lack of talent. They have some talented guys guys there, but let's start with Danny Friend, uh, the most known commodity that IU has. He had a, has had an injury plague uh, career at IU. He finally stayed healthy all year last year. It's great to see. Uh, and we'll see what he could do in this offense in, in spring ball. Is he, you know, are they going to use him in the passing game or are they going to play much more to his strength and let him go out there and pave the way for, for Camion Patrick? Um, so I, I feel like Friend is a known commodity. Behind him, there are a few question marks uh, that we'd like to see step up. Uh, the first guy is Ian Thomas, a uh, JUCO transfer, who came in before last year uh, from Nassau Community College. He had three catches last year. Uh, Friend had the other seven, so there are your ten. Um, he's a dynamic tight end. He can catch the ball. He can block uh, and, and should be a good weapon uh, either as an outlet or uh, as a guy who stretched field a little bit uh, up the middle uh, for these quarterbacks. Do you have anything to add on, on Ian Thomas? Uh, no. No, I think uh, I think you got it on him. I, you know, he's, he appears to be a very fluid athlete. Um, but I, I mean, it, it looks – it's hard to tell because they were utilized so little, but – I mean, he definitely looks like a, a fluid athlete moving out there that I I would think could be a guy that, you know, you you use on some intermediate routes uh, or maybe you sprinkle in some of the wheel routes that we saw with Danny Friend use successfully uh, to get Ian Thomas open. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing him, um, you know, give more of a chance to, to utilize his athleticism. I think that'd be a good idea. Uh, you know, Austin Doris, same thing. He's a he appears to be the heir apparent to Danny Friend, um, continuing to bulk up and develop physically as a blocker, uh, which is equal parts, um, you know, physical and just your mental disposition and your your willingness to be that nasty blocker uh, at the tight end position that you know doesn't get the glory but uh, is utilized, you know, as kind of a just a, a mobile offensive lineman really. Um, that occasionally gets the ball tossed his way. Um, and Austin Doris appears to be kind of an heir apparent to that. Uh, you know, that, that maybe this, I think the unknown of the group is going to be Sean Bonner. Um, you just don't know what we have with him. He came in as a somewhat lightly regarded uh, recruit, but um, big, big guy that if he has – you know, the want to to be a good blocker and some mobility, he could develop into a good weapon as well. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a good group. I mean, it's we know it's a group of talent. They just have to be utilized. Yeah, and to go back to Austin Doris, he's a guy who, you know, is kind of in the same mold as Danny Fred, maybe a little bit more athletic, played quarterback in, in high school. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's you start salivating over – what the the ball skills that these guys can have, uh, and, and just the potential, and, and you know, if they end up throwing it to the tight ends, you know, a hundred times, and they they make ten catches, then you know maybe the talent wasn't there. But I, I, for me, I think the talent is there. Uh, we'll see what they do. Sean Bonner might have played last year. He got hurt, um, I, I believe, in fall camp, and, and then redshirted. Yeah. But it's not for a lack of talent. And then, you know, we'll see in fall camp if Peyton Hendershot is one of those guys who, you know, in high school he made some outstanding plays. Is he a guy who could crack that rotation as well? And then you have Ryan Watercutter and um, Ryan Watercutter there as well, who's a, 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 a former linebacker who's transitioned to, uh, to tight end. And he's actually really surprised people with his set of hands. He's bigger. A, a former uh, linebacker would have hands of stone, and he'd be just used much like a fullback in, in the blocking game. Uh, but he has shown that he could catch the ball, and uh, maybe he's a guy who can make an impact on, on special teams. And, you know, if these other guys in front of him either don't stay healthy or don't perform well, he's a guy who might be able to see uh, catch with 
a ball or two uh, during the season as well. Uh, let's get back over the defensive side. Uh, let's talk about the, the defensive line a little bit. A lot of uh, familiar faces are back. The, the IU loses two guys uh, in, in Ralph Green and Patrick Doherty, uh, who went through senior ceremonies. Uh, but we'll see, uh, you know, you, you have Juan Harris in for the spring. Jerome Johnson is coming uh, back as a redshirt freshman. Uh, TJ, what do you need to see out of defensive line this spring? Well, I think you'd like to see, number one, uh, which of those two guys, Juan Harris or Jerome Johnson, or ideally both, uh, are able to step up and make a claim as a starting defensive tackle next to Nate Hoff. You know, we know that Nate Hoff's going to be up there as a starter. Um, he needs a partner. And, uh, you know, multiple guys are going to have to fill in. They want a deeper rotation. So that's what's about for this defensive line is just developing that deeper rotation and, and figuring out who that uh, primary partner is going to be for Nate Hoff. Um, you know, right now we have projected a Jerome Johnson. It would not be a surprise to see it be – uh, Juan Harris, hopefully that's a battle where both guys step up and, and earn significant snaps. Indiana needs needs another space eater uh, in the middle of that defensive line to help defend against the physical uh, offenses they go against in the Big Ten East. Uh, and then I think the second thing you're looking for is the pass rush. You, you need to develop a couple of you know consistent pass rushers, guys that can just um, you know, wreck games for the opposition by making those plays like strip sacks um, or, you know, third down and eight and, you know, a, a pressure the guy drops ball back right. or, or, uh, or Barrett drops back and, you know, you, you get back there and instead of being close to making the play, you make the play. They were so close so many times. Uh, to, to get that guy down. And they actually, you know, the pass rush was much better than we anticipated it was going to be. But just continuing to develop with guys uh, like Stringer, Robinson, uh, you know, they have a couple of players coming in that you think could develop into, into elite pass rushers. They won't be there. But Alan Stallings, um, a guy that we were really high on going into last season, uh, you know, a, a, I, I, there's there's a lot of a lot of options. It's just a matter of developing that you know nine ten man rotation. Uh, I think that we feel really good right now about probably uh, six or seven. So rounding out that rotation with another few reliable contributors is what this spring is going to be about for the line. Yeah, definitely. And then you have depth guys, Mike Barwick. He looked good in the weight right. room the other day, and he had a nice. Uh, 2016 season as well, uh, and, and you just hope guys stay healthy and they could have a nice stable on defensive line where you could rotate guys in and out. You know, very rarely do defensive linemen play the entire game, so you're going to need yeah. uh, eight to ten, ten guys to play in a rotation up there. Uh, let's quickly go to linebackers. Uh, it's T. Gray Scales is back, All-American. IU uh, is probably thanking their lucky stars. He is back. Uh, especially with the loss of Marcus Oliver, um, who they're going to have to replace. Uh, replacing him there are probably uh, either going to be Mike McGinnis, who's in for spring, uh, or Damian Willis, uh, who's been on the roster uh, for a couple years now. Uh, both of them are bigger linebackers, uh, would be good in run support. McGinnis is a, a junior college All-American. Um and then Damian Willis had an outstanding season in a reserve role uh, last year. You also have Chris Covington coming back, uh, who could yeah. be a spot start, uh, you know, opposite. He might just back up Tigre Scales, but against certain teams uh, like a Georgia Southern who runs the triple option, uh, could see some, some time starting as well, depending on the matchup. So I think the linebacking core uh, is pretty solid. Uh, your thoughts quickly, TJ? Yeah, T. Gray Scales, obviously, he's one of the best linebackers in the country. It was a absolutely massive uh, addition that he decided to come back. Uh, I love watching him play. He's improved so much. He came in good, and he's gotten uh, so much better. Um, 
I think that you're right. I think Mike McGinnis and Damian Willis, uh, the two most likely guys, they're going to battle it out uh, to start next to him. Uh, and then Chris Covington, I've, I've been impressed by him when he has played. He's a guy that um, I, I think really has developed a lot. He's had kind of an interesting career. He's played all over the place, but uh, I think he's found a home as a good depth linebacker. And then Raekwon Jones is just uh, maybe a step below those four guys. I think it's going to be those four as the primary, then Raekwon Jones, and you have Thomas Allen, who will be in spring. He's likely a red shirt, I would yeah. say, barring an injury to somebody ahead of him. Uh, and then Mo Burnham coming in in the fall. So uh, it's a good group uh, that, that, you know, I think you're looking for those those front four to be to your stalwarts in the middle of the defense. And that's that's a pretty pretty good four to have. Yep, and then rounding it out on defense, uh, TJ, you're written about the safeties. Your article's coming out tomorrow. Uh, we've included yep. the Husky in the safety position. This might be IU's uh, strongest overall position uh, on the yep. field uh, on defense. Um, Tigray Scales is clearly their best player on defense, but the overall talent in, at the safeties position and Husky is outstanding. You have Jonathan Crawford, uh, Tony Fields is back, and Marcelino is back. You also have Chase Dutra as a, as a depth piece. Uh, and, and who else do you see there uh, factoring in in the safety position? Yeah, the front four that you mentioned are going to be the guys you see the most time. Jonathan Crawford, obviously, is going to be the stalwart. Uh, playmaking safety, Marcelino Ball was so impressive as the freshman Husky. He's so young, um, but you wouldn't know it by looking at him. He got lost a few times in coverage, but uh, overall, outstanding debut season for him, and you just expect him to continue to grow uh, and be just uh, an outstanding enforcer for this defense. Then Tony Fields, I don't think most people realize he started uh, 13 games for the Hoosiers, and I, I, I thought it was very impressive uh, back there as a, as a partner for Crawford. Chase Dutra, very valuable, um, you know, I don't want to call him a role player, but very valuable contributor uh, as a depth piece. He can fill in uh, if Crawford, you know, steps out for a play, he can fill in for Fields, he can fill in on you know, if you want to change up the formation to go with an additional safety out there, he, you can do he that. He also played very well, very well on special teams as well. He blocked yes. that kick against yes. Nebraska and made right. several big tackles in the punt game and the bowl game against Utah where it looked as if they could have had big returns. And we'll get to special teams here in a second. Yeah. Uh, at Husky, you're looking at Zeke Walker as the primary backup uh, to – um, Marcelino Ball, as I said earlier, Ben Box could factor in, um, you know, in, in some pass-heavy formations. He could factor in as another DB out there. Uh, and then, you know, other guys, Keontae Walton, Jamie Thompson, Jameel Cook, um, players that, yeah, they, they're probably going to be more special teams contributors than anything. They'll have a chance in the spring to step up, and they'll have to if they want any playing time at all. Uh, outside of special teams because of the addition of Juwan Burgess, who will be there in the fall. Uh, he's going to be playing at safety, outstanding addition for this program. And then Brian Fitzgerald from Avon looks likely to be uh, the factor in in the Husky rotation. He could also be a safety, but I think they're going to look initially at, at, at Husky for him. So, uh, like you said, an outstanding group of safeties. It's a deep group that's you know very good at the top, as well as some proven players uh, that are that are backing up. I mean, if you have Chase Dutra as a senior um, being a reliable backup for you, that is a tremendous group. Yep. And, and quickly, let's touch upon uh, special teams before we run out of time. There's going to be a lot of competition here. Uh, it's an area yep. where Tom Allen has emphasized uh, performance. IU has been awful since two, 2012 in kick return. Uh, look for an open competition there. You have Cole Guest, Devontae Williams, Mike Majette, 
Uh, all kinds of guys back there. I don't think you see Jay Sean Harris back there uh, coming off of two knee surgeries. Uh, punt returner, you have to replace Mitchell Page, uh, but it looks like uh, Richard Fant, if they're willing to take that risk, Richard Fant is a good answer there. Um, at punter, you have no idea what I, I have no idea what's going to happen. IU brought in Hayden Whitehead from Australia uh, to uh, compete for the job. He's, you know, he's on scholarship, so he's going to get a shot uh, over Joseph Gideon. Uh, and then you have to think that uh, Griffin Oaks is going to be focused on turning turning it around. Uh, so if we have our special teams preview out on the site uh, at HoosierHuddle.com. But, uh, TJ, we are out of time. And, uh you know, we'll talk again as spring practice, as more develops in spring practice. We'll be down in Bloomington uh, on Thursday for uh, workouts, and then uh, I believe later in the week, uh, next week for practice as well. So, uh, TJ, yep. uh, thanks for joining us. I also want to thank all our guests for coming on as well. Um, so, thank you. Absolutely. Have a great week, and uh, yep, enjoy our spring coverage, everybody. We are looking forward to bringing it to you. All right, that does it for this edition of the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. Spring practice starts on March 4th. Uh, Today is March. uh, Please check out HoosierHuddle.com for all your spring football needs for IU. Uh, Check out our support page as well. We're doing um, tremendously well on on, uh, our GoFundMe and our Amazon ads. So I want to thank uh, Hoosier Nation for stepping up there. We appreciate your donations. I know the rest of the writers do as well. Uh, So thank you. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle, and we will speak with you uh, next week. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.